Here we go, rejecting the screen, the going ISO edition, as we do every Thursday, the long form. It's Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast, out West is Adam Stenko. Our guest today is Rob McClanahan, and today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rob is class of 01 in Syracuse. He is a noted NBA skills trainer. His book is Network. You can go behind the scenes of his work and the stories with Steph and KD, Russ, Kevin Love, and so many others. And check out his site, robmacbasketball.com. Rob, when you were a fly on the wall assisting at USF and heading over to IMG during KG's workouts, what do you remember about that time watching KG work out? Um, What's funny, I uh, was watching you know, the main guy at IMG worked him out every day. I was kind of, the, you know, the rebounder. And um, the intensity, number one, uh, it was mind-blowing to me. I mean, it was, when I say every rep was, even a jab step, it was like the most intense jab you'll ever see. He's talking to himself, he's swearing to himself, you know, he's hitting himself in the head if he misses a shot. Um, and I just really enjoyed watching a guy like that, you know, improve, but the, the, the funny part of that story is about two weeks later, uh, Joe Bunasar, who was running IMG basketball at that time, I think he had to go away. Something he said, "Hey Rob, uh, do me a favor. I need you to work on KG today." And uh, <laughs> I was like, "What do you mean work him out? Like rebound?" He said, "No, no, I got to go to town. So can you put him through a workout?" And I'm like, "Yeah, of course. Yeah, no problem." Back in my mind, like, what the hell am I gonna do, with KG? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm 21, 22 years old, right out of college, basically, and. Uh, Anyways, I ended up doing it, and I remember saying to Kevin, like, hey, what do you want to work on today? He says something like, you know, isn't that your job to tell me what to do? <laughs> and uh, so I was like, all right. And he gave me confidence right away. Like, no, man, do, do what you have to do. Put me through a workout. And I did. And I started doing some jab stuff, one dribble stuff. He never questioned anything while we're doing this drill. Um, and it was like a, a high-intensity 45-minute workout. And he was getting me so intense. I'm out there guarding them, talking smack. And that was the first time I realized this is something I might really want to do. So, But when KG's the first guy that, that you work out in that type of setting, it's got to set the uh, bar. Well, in yeah. terms of in, yeah, in terms of like the big stars, does that then yeah. cloud your view of what every star's – workout intensity should be like um i wouldn't say clouded it, it made me realize kind of what it takes so it kind of helped me you know going forward like you know you don't have to be kevin garnett but if you work out like that five six days a week for i mean 60 to 90 minutes is all we needed he went so hard he was dead at the hour um that's really what i started with obviously with kevin but it's really the thing i base every workout on going forward you know to this day you know he, he didn't waste and my, my whole motto is don't waste any reps and he didn't waste any reps and just going forward. That's kind of the, the stuff I took to, you know, years later, Russell, Derek, and those guys are great because they do train like that. They don't waste any reps. And I see plenty of players that do waste reps that, you know, they might play the league six, seven years, but you know, they don't get really to reach the max potential. All right. So Rob, I want to go back. You, your senior season, Bishop, Hendrick in in in, uh, in Rhode Island, you guys go undefeated. You win the state championship. You go to Syracuse as a as a walk on, and it's Jim Beheim, but also on the staff, Mike Hopkins, now head coach of Washington, Troy Weaver, who's been a big NBA guy. 
when you're when you're at Syracuse as as a walk on, what is the the dream at that point for basketball? Yeah, I mean, my my dream at that point was to coach in college. That's what I wanted to do. Um, but Hop is definitely the first guy to introduce to me um, the workout kind of stuff. He was like the development guy uh, every single day. He was with guys before games, after games, late at night, you know, talking trash, taking charges, and he, he's a nut job in a good way. And he kind of showed me what it <laughs> yes. takes really to do to play development stuff, you know, not just sitting there and being a glorified passer, which these guys are. Um, the goal was to coach in college uh, for sure. But after doing a year in college, um, I just felt like it wasn't a basketball for me. It was, you know, granted, I was a great, you know, grad assistant, but it wasn't recruiting. You know, um, it was more like just making sure guys again, fed, grades are good, you know, doing stuff in the office. And I, you know, I knew the NBA was different because you didn't need that. It's just all hoop. It's that mm-hmm. and film. It's just all basketball. And that's it. Um, so after USF with Seth Greenberg, that's kind of when I realized I wanted to maybe do some of the play development stuff. When was the last time you were offered a college job? Um, well, after that, I kind of shut it down. I, you know, I kind of put it out there. That's not what I want to do. So okay. um, immediately after USF, I, I went back to Rhode Island, taught my high school. And then the summer, started doing stuff on my own, started my own business, and then going to IMG every summer for like six weeks to like basically intern. Mm-hmm. When you ended up at ABCD camp in 03 with, with Sonny Vaccaro, when you look back on that experience, what first comes to mind? Man, <laughs> probably meeting Sonny for the first time. Um, you know, he was, you know, the godfather, basically. And, uh, and he only put me in, I don't know if you know the story behind it, but he only put me in the camp because I – basically faxed him every single day right <laughs> uh, to his house and yeah. pretty much broke his fax machine so i was scared to death to meet him but he finally said, put this guy in and i had every, everyone call from, you know your i had coach coach baron you know i had Bayheim, i had hop i had troy uh i came also providence call everyone and so on top of that he said, just let this guy in so i, I walked up to him the first thing i, I remember is seeing sonny it's like i gotta walk up to this guy and he was in, somewhat intimidating, you know. You just heard about, you know, he's like this yes. legend, legendary guy. And I said, "Thanks for letting me in." Um, and he said, "Who are you?" <laughs> I said, uh, "Robert." Cl- oh, you're the guy texting me every night at dinner time for the last fifty days. <laughs> and um, so that was the first thing I remember. And then I just remember <laughs> um, they they told me I'm gonna be coaching, which I didn't know if I was gonna. And my head coach I'd be working with is Matt Doherty. We just got fired at Carolina. And uh, so right away, I was like, wow, this is crazy. I just met Sonny. I'm coaching Matt Doherty. And on our team was O.J. Mayo and Billy Walker. Um, you know, so right away, I'm like, this is insane. Um, but, you know, me and Sonny became very, very close. Worked for the next few years. You know, doing a blurb in my book. He ended up sending me some players. That's where I met Derek Rose. So it was all, it was all worth it. You know, the theme when I was going back and, and Noah's go back and researching your career and I look back at the guys that you've worked out from the beginning, it's not just that they seem like, and I know you've even described it this way, that they're not clients, but they become friends. They become, there's strong relationships there, which is something my whole life I've, I've tried to 
be the same way. You know, I don't, I don't look at people as contacts. They're, they're friends. <clears throat> they're uh, people that I can, I can lean on. What, what do you think is it about your personality? Even from, from that point on, like Sonny Vaccaro, guys like Joe Mazzula, who's now with the Celtics that, that you yeah. worked out uh, back to your old high school, all these guys that you, you seem to maintain these relationships throughout the year. What is it about the way that you deal with people on a daily basis that you think enables you to foster these deep relationships? Yeah. Um, yeah. I get that question a lot. And I, I think the main thing is I'm just 110% real with these guys. I don't treat them like NBA players. I treat them like grown men. I treat them like guys that go into the draft. I, um, I'm honest with them. If they have bad workout, I, I let them know. If they come with bad attitude, I let them know. Um, if they didn't play well enough in a game, I'll let them know and vice versa. I'll tell them that was the best work you ever had or whatever it is. Um, and right from the beginning too. And I, I don't, I don't use them. You know, I don't ask for anything from them. Maybe a picture, but autographs, tickets, that's pretty much offered, you know, by, by them. Um, and I think just over time, you know, I was the kind of guy who, after the workout, I think most trainers would be like, all right, see you tomorrow. To me, it was like, oh, let's go grab dinner. Let's get lunch. And they saw that if they could trust me off the court, of course they're going to trust me on the court. And over time, we just became – all of us became very, very close. I mean, Derek moved, uh, got drafted by the Bulls. He wanted me closer to him to train more, so he moved me there. And, and I didn't have to do that, but I did it for him. And, you know, and he treated me well. And I lived there for two and a half years, his first three years in the league. And and um, Kevin Love was flying me out once a month. And so over time, we just created this really, this trust uh, and respect that they were hurt. I didn't say, call me when you when you can train again. It was like, oh, man, what can I do? Can I fly out and see you, hang out? And, I, you know, and that's that's what happened. And Kevin Love, you know, years down the line became my son's godfather. You know, so hmm. you know, I think over time the, the the respect was there on and off the court. And to me, the biggest thing thing was off the court. You know, because on the court stuff, they can trust me all they want, but if they don't trust me off the court, this might last a year or two. It's not going to last. You know, some of these guys been training twelve years. So, how much pressure did you feel for and with Derrick Rose moving? to Chicago, him moving you there to be his guy? Um, not, not a lot. I mean, we, we were, you know, known each other now since ABCD, so we talked every every week at Memphis. And I did this whole pre-draft. His brother dropped him off in L.A. and said, he's all yours. It's literally what happened. And he kind of grew up with me in that pre-draft process. And uh, so when he asked me to go there, I just, you know, he wasn't asking me to be only with him. And that was the, the main thing. I said, you know, I got to be loyal to Kevin Love and Russell too, and things like that. He said, "Fine, I just want you closer, you know, where I can get to work, and then ten at night, you know, I just give you a call, and you're right down the street." So it wasn't it wasn't that difficult for me. There wasn't a lot of pressure to do it because, okay. you know, the good thing was Derek trained with Kevin and Russ so much that when I went and go, you know, would go see them, it wasn't like one of those things. Like, oh, you're my guy. He was never like that ever. I mean, no one's only because they yeah. trained together and they knew that's what they wanted. Start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into trends shaping our world. Rob McClanahan fixes all sorts of things. Yes, sir. So you go to him when you need things fixed or yes, when you need things tuned up. RockAuto.com will treat you the same way. It's a family business. Rob talked about building those relationships. 
rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, like the way Rob has been doing with basketball players. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and they've got everything you could ever imagine, whether it's for your classic or just daily driver. You can get everything you need in just a few clicks delivered directly to your door. It's a unique site. The catalog is so easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, then choose the brands, specifications, and the prices you prefer. And the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low for everybody who's shopping. So it could be a professional. It could be someone like myself. So go to rockauto.com. Not just reliably low, Noah. Insanely low insanely low in these days there are a lot of things that are insane on the negative side this is something that's insane on the positive side yes sir so go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck just make sure you write locked on l-o-c-k-e-d locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you it it helps amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com 2008 i mean you mentioned these guys i mean russell westbrook kevin love um the, the 2008 i mean you you controlled the 2008 nba draft and i say that in terms of the guys that you had in your gym every day and in terms of the right. teams that were talking to you what what was that summer like in terms of on a daily basis what's that summer like in terms of working out the guys that would end up going on to shape the future of the NBA. Yeah. I mean, that was a crazy, crazy, um, redraft process because, you know, I had eight in the top 15 picks. Um, and I never forget, we did a huge, huge workout on tell at the time was, was the agent, the top agent in the world at that time. And he said, we're going to do an open workout for every GM and team. We have too many guys traveling, come to us. We had this huge workout. Every GM showed up, almost every head coach, um, every president of the operations. I mean, it was a team in NBA TV. So I did, you know, <laughs> I did all these workouts for, you know, Robert and Brooke. And then it was Anthony Randolph, Augustine, and Russ and Rose, and Don Ari. And, you know, um, I'll never forget walking in the gym. Everyone's waiting on me to get going here. <laughs> I'm like, you got you to gotta be kidding me. I look over, it's... Uh, Jerry West, Doc Rivers, it's, it's, it's Danny Ainge, uh, it's R.C. Buford, it's Pop. I mean, and they're just waiting. I mean, stuff is workout stuff. And it was the, the, you couldn't move in the gym. You really couldn't move at Santa Monica. Um, so I just had Pat Riley was there. Um, so I'm just thinking to myself, just focus, just focus. <laughs> and, and, but and the, main, the other thing, too, I had a – I was working for Arn Town at the time, B.J. Armstrong and these guys. So I had to make sure I made these guys look good. So I, it was a strategy behind it. You know, like Russell at that time wasn't a good three-point shooter, so I had to make sure I was doing everything at the rim, you know, everything in, in, in the mid-range stuff. Um, you know, I had to make sure Brooke could show his three-point shot, even though he was working out Robin, who wasn't a three-point shooter. So it was, it was tough. I mean, I had a plan, but I look over and see these guys. But luckily, everyone performed very well. Um, but a good story behind that is at the end of the workout, Pat Riley comes up to me and says, Man, that was that was some really really good stuff right there. You know, I don't know how long you've been doing this, but you know, you really know what you're doing. I said I appreciate it. And then next thing you know, Pat Riley's on the court 
telling me to pass the ball to Brooke in the post. And he's out there guarding Brooke, kept putting him through another workout. <laughs> and, and, the, and, the, and the agents are like, all right, Pat, come on, we're good here. Stop, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, but that was my, I think, my big definitely break. That Not only that draft, but in front of all those teams and GMs and presidents where my name really was really was starting to get out there. It's funny. Your whole life builds to these kind of moments. What, yeah. who was the, who was at that time on that day, who was the best player in the workout? Um, that day, I, I remember Russ being really, really good in that workout. I think it was Russ just being Russ and wanting to show everybody that he is a top five pick. You know, at that time, it wasn't highly touted as much. Some people were saying he's a, you know, first rounder, but no, and I really think his stock moved up that day a lot. I mean, he thinks he was doing the intensity of dunking and almost breaking the rim. And um, that was it was kind of legendary because after that workout, I was like, oh, this guy, yeah, he's, he's going to be there in the top five. He's going after the fifth pick, you know. When you think about Russell Westbrook's career, and I know you connected with him the summer after his freshman year in which he, he didn't have a ton of playing time relative to other superstars, at least. Sophomore year, he starts to really explode onto the scene, but not in terms of overall productivity. When you got him that summer heading into the draft, how good did you know that he was and how much, how good did he ultimately show you that he was? He's one of those guys. I mean, he was always, always um, early. And it was funny. It almost became like a contest. You know, he'd be the first workout. He always wanted the first workout. It was 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. So let's say it's 9 a.m. I'd show up at 8.45. Open the gym. He'd be outside waiting. Where you been? Where been? We'll start till nine. <laughs> and he said, "Well, you know, but it's good to be early. You this and that." And um, I said, "Okay." And then next day, I get there like eight eight thirty five. He's out there. Where you been? It became like a contest. <laughs> you know, we're both sitting there at eight a.m. for nine a.m. workout together. And uh, you know, if, if if Derek wasn't there by like eight fifty, I could call Derek, but sure he's on time. I'm like, dude, it's, it's not time yet. He doesn't have to be here yet. You know. Um, <laughs> You know, he, he never. He, he, I give guys Sundays off, and for I was told, listen, rest is part of the workout training. I'm not like telling you not to train because I don't feel like it. It's part of the training schedule, so you're ready to go on Monday and you're re-energized. Like, all right, all right, you know, we'll take Sundays off. Okay, I got it. And I get a call from UCLA coaches. Like, hey, man, Russ is up here working out with his dad. I'm like, oh, God, you've got to be kidding me. You know, like, <laughs> there's no way around it. And, and the only thing with Russ is you could never say we tried it. I, on Sundays, I gave him a little bit. Let's get shots up. Let's get, let's get some shots up, you and Derek. Oh, yeah, quick, we'll get some shots up. Next, you know, it's a full-blown two-hand tomahawk dunks on a Sunday. You know, like, so I guess the point, I mean, Russell, I just knew you could tell he had the, the potential for sure. But it was more you knew he was going to get to his max potential even maybe beyond that because – of his intensity and, and there's almost like the fu towards everybody attitude that's why he wore number zero and no one recruited him and he didn't play freshman year at all ucla um i think he just had this build up you know fu attitude and, and it just he still does and, and you can say all you want about the guy but he brings it every every night when you said it's of course your job to put these guys in the best light so you weren't having russ shoot those threes but i'm sure you're asked about his shooting abilities by the head coaches, presidents, and, and general managers. So how did you respond when you were asked, but can he shoot? Yeah, I mean, I was asked that uh, a lot. Um, I was just honest with people. I said, listen, 
his mid-range right now is very, very good. It's going to take time to move that out and do stuff off the pull-up and, and off the run and off balance. But he, he will get there because of the way this guy works out. He almost worked out too much, in my opinion, mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, so I knew he was going to get there, and, and that was part of my strategy behind it, um, you know, as far as working out, you know, for the when I worked about for Seattle at the time, it was ironically enough Troy Weaver was the assistant uh <laughs> GM and um and Sam Sam Presti obviously and, and and they basically were like I put put them through individual workouts. So we went to a private private gym in Bel Air and I put them through a workout and quite honestly I, I all I did was, you know, stuff at the rim, floaters, mid range, that was it. And I just I knew that was part of my job to make him I didn't guard him at all, no contact. Um, and it was tough because Troy and I were very, very close. He was a major mentor of mine. The big reason I was with Arn was through him. Um, and they sat me down and they asked him, "Who would you take, Brooke or Russ?" So that you can't, you can't answer me. I can't, I can't ask me that. <laughs> like with the same agent, I, I'm not gonna be that guy. So I never, you know, I'll never tell anyone what I said. Um, but you know, Woj was trying to get out of me in his podcast. You know, last year huh. I said mm-hmm. no. Um, you know, but. Russ was just one of those guys that, I mean, you knew. I mean, you knew this guy was just going to get better and better and better. And the more of attitude, honestly, that he had, you know, the better he was. But working him out with, with Derek was the best thing that ever happened to both of them because they would just compete basically within the workout. You know, if Derek hit four in a row, he'd be like, okay, he hit five in a row. You know, and Russ did a reverse jam, Derek would make sure he did a better dunk the next time. You know, so it was almost competition within the workout. And they push each other to the max every time. How often during those workouts did you say to yourself, if only there was a camera somewhere in the ceiling? Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> I, I wish more of those workouts were actually taped. Um, you know, and maybe if I was more of an Instagrammer back then, all that stuff, not that I am now, maybe I would have done something. But that's what I loved so much about those workouts, ironically enough, that no one was in there. There were no mm-hmm. tapes. It was just work, you know. It, I talk about my book. I'm just, I'll never be one of those guys. It's some workouts and look at me and look at me. I'm just not that guy. Maybe I have more of a following and whatever on Instagram if I did, but I just can't do that. And, and they wouldn't have even allowed me to do that. I mean, no way, no way. We're here to get work. We're not going to do anything else. And, and it was quiet. It was, it was private. It was Santa Monica, St. Monica high school. Um, and no one even knew what we're doing or we're in there, you know? So that's what I can remember. There's the camaraderie that we built. The, the privateness of it, uh, the work that we put in when no one was watching. Um, and that's where we just really, not only did they improve, and I think, you know, they improved me as a trainer, and this relationship's improved in there, in that gym. What do you think of this idea that now there are, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, celebrity NBA trainers? Listen, I can't knock it. That's how they're making a living. That's fine. I'm just, I guess my point is, I'm su- not only is it the trainer, I think it's more. Yeah, I think the players, these younger players, they they want you to escape. Quite honestly, they, they, they mm-hmm. you know. And Dame Lillard was funny. He said something two years ago. And he tweeted out. It was funny. I, I read it in L.A. the next day, and I said, I like that tweet. And he said, uh, the tweet was, you know, if I'm not filming a workout, am I really working out? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You know, and uh, and I'm that kind of guy too. I don't really use maybe a cone here and there, but no props, nothing. I'm not using like the gun or dummies. I always say, I am the gun, you know? Um, and I remember the next day, Dane put a, used my gym in LA that I use all the time in Bel Air. 
and Dame did a <laughs> drills with his trainer. The trainer had like a hockey stick. It was filming it. <laughs> and like a like a nerf gun, shooting nerf guns, shooting jump shot. And he's, Dame was basically making fun of all these <laughs> that people make, you know. And I, I always said my workouts are anything you do in a game. So we're not gonna have props. We're not gonna do seventeen crossovers into a pull up. You never do that in a game. So my stuff was very basic per se. I mean I, I obviously I got creative with all that stuff, but uh nothing like Derek had said once, you know, with Rob is nothing will go unturned. Everything we do in this workout will never be a surprise in the game. Because everything we do on the court with Rob is something you would use in a game. Um, that's kind of how I approached it. So now it's definitely definitely different. But again, I don't think it's just the trainers. I think it's also some of the young players that they, they want to be filmed and they want that following. I agree with you. So let's let's bridge a bunch of these topics together. The the relationships yep. and what you see guys actually doing in the league and then that's how you train them. What's what's been the most emotional that you've ever gotten over one of your clients, friends, performances in the league? Oh, God. <laughs> Man, I, I can name a few. I mean, I, I think the first one I would think of is Derrick Rose's first playoff game um, mm-hmm. in Boston. I think he had like 30 or something. It was insane, you know, for a rookie. And, um, I think it was the most points ever by a rookie in his first playoff game. I'm almost positive. I think he, he beat out with Kareem or something like that. And uh, – for some reason, his family couldn't make it or something into the game. So I was just the only really – no agents were there. Nothing. I was kind of the only one there because I live an hour away. And, you know, I saw him after the game. I'm just so happy I was there because, you know, I just wanted to celebrate that part of it. And I just gave a hug and I said, dude, that was, that was all those hours you put in. Not just for me, but when you're five years old, eight years old, you're all just locked into one, you know. And I guess the other one would be when Derek scored 50 a few years ago when everyone called him, you know, kind mm-hmm. of – washed up or injured or whatever you want to call it. This guy comes out with shoots 50s, crying his eyes out after the game. Um, so there's, there's, there's a lot of them. I think, you know, the last one I can really think of is after game seven, uh, when the Cavs won it, and I was there and uh, Kevin called me down to the court, was in the locker room, you know, game a hug. I mean, I definitely shed a few tears and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the same thing, the things he went through, you know, criticism uh, and also, you know, he he took a role that was less than he's ever had, and he said he literally sacrificed for the team, kind of like a Chris Bosh did, and uh, changed what he did. And so being in the locker room after, you know, throwing champagne around and holding that trophy with him <laughs> was pretty uh pretty insane. But but at the same time, it was weird because Steph's my guy too, right? And he's in the locker room with the toughest loss of his life. Staying on on Kevin Love, what was it like? What was that first conversation like when he told him, all right? We're going to step back and shoot threes. <laughs> um, well, it was funny because at UCLA, he didn't really have to do that. In college, I mean, high school, he didn't have to do that. He kind of bullied people. But when he started slimming down a little bit early on, um, I'm just as well as anyone knew how good he could shoot. I mean, I'm, I'm in these workouts, mid-range. He's making, you know, 80% of his shots, you know, in a workout in mid-range. And I started saying, let's go to 18 feet. Next thing you know, he's just knocking these down. And I was—I remember saying to him, I'll never forget it one day. Uh, I don't, I don't, why don't we work on threes more often? He goes, I'd love to. But at the same time, back in my mind, are we going to work on threes if the coach is going to use you like that? But we continued to work on threes, and Rick Adelman was great for him. Um, 
playing at the pinch post, you know, and Kevin Martin was there, and, you know, they ran the handoff, fake handoff, you know, that kind of stuff, jab shot. He started really making a large percentage of threes. And mm-hmm. um, I'll never forget when he, uh, at the All-Star game, he, uh, you know, he won the three-point shootout. And two weeks later, with thank you from him, he sends me the jersey he wore framed uh, in the shootout mm-hmm. to my house. Just thinking, I mean, you know, that was kind of the first one to say, we need to work on threes, man. Like, you make it just as many as any guard I train. Um, so that was a pretty cool, you know, uh, gift to, to, to be handed over to me. As Kevin Love's friend, when he came forward and started talking about all the things that he had been dealing with privately, and now it was something that was more out in the open, how much did you notice he changed off the court? when he sort of released that publicly? Yeah, big time. I mean, I, I mentioned it to him, I think, months later, like, how, how relieved he seemed. You know, and, and Kevin, mm. is, an, is you would never maybe know it, but he's a very, very tense guy. He's got a little a little temper on him in a, in a good way. Um, you know, high-strung guy, always, you know, was on point with his diet, obviously, and all that stuff, and just was kind of just – it seemed like he was stressed out a little bit here and there. And I had no idea this stuff was going on like anybody else. No, and I think that was the point of the article. He didn't want to tell anybody. And, but after that came out and, and the next thing you know, DeMar DeRozan comes out and, you know, I think Michael Phelps came out and said he was suicidal and things like that. So Carson Daly came out to Kevin Love. And so all these guys were like, like thanking because of Kevin, they were, they were doing the same stuff. So the fact that Kevin helped himself is one thing, but, you know, the thousands of people he's helped since then, uh, really, Kevin's the first one to ever do it. And, you know, I'm I'm so happy, you know, the Arthur Ashe Award that he won two weeks ago is, you know, I told him, I texted him, that's the biggest accomplishment you've ever had, you know, to win an Arthur Ashe Award. Like, who would have thought you coming out with an article saying your anxiety would have led to, you know, saving maybe thousands of people, who knows, maybe more than we even know about, and, and you win the biggest award you could ever win at the ESPYs. It had nothing mm-hmm. to do with <laughs> you, you scoring a basket, nothing. You know, so that's that that was huge for him and, and it's something I was, you know, he's gonna do this post career probably even more. I know you've said that each of your workouts you take pride in the idea that you craft them specifically to each guy. I was wondering if we could run through some of the guys and just quickly you explain how you make the workout personal to them. Um sure. and I wanna start with uh Steph Curry. Yes, Steph. I mean uh, you know, early on, um when I first met him, I think it was more uh, the shooting, you know, <laughs> that's, that was good. Uh, it, it was more protecting <laughs> the ball, being more efficient, you know, not needing eight to ten dribbles, doing the same thing in two or three dribbles, uh, keeping his dribble a little tighter, you know, maybe not turning the ball over early on, it's just, just lazy turnovers, you know, jump passes, one-hand passes, things like that. So with him, it was just getting more more efficient into a jump shot. We never really had to work on a jump shot, but it was more getting more efficient also working on, you know, creating a little bit more space. Cause you know, he's relatively speaking to now, you know, he's not the tallest guy out there. You have some guards at a six, eight. So we had to work on really just getting more space. John Wall. John, first thing I ever said to him was you need to slow down and everything he did was so fast and you know, all his whole life. He just get a rebound in high school and college and just go coast to coast. But in the NBA, you know, you, you can't do that. You know, you just, you just can't. Most guys are pretty athletic and fast, just like you. Um, so I always said to him, you know, slow is quick. The slower you are, the quicker you better be. And by that, I meant 
if you keep going one speed, you're going to be easy to guard. You're going to pick up charges, bad, bad turnovers. But if you slow down more, set a guy up, boom, then you go by him. That's where you can use your speed to an advantage. And the same thing, honestly, with, with Russell. So how does that work now coming off injury? Yeah, the same thing. I, I'm going to see him in a few weeks, I think, in Miami. And uh, it, it's the same thing as far as you know, he's done a heck of a job of limiting his turnovers now, slowing down, not picking up charges, um, stopping a dime in a pull-up. So, I mean, we're not really going to have to train any differently, maybe a little less intense right now. But as far as working on all that, I mean, to me, you can never be a finished product. So, like, you know, I would say with guys like with Steph, for instance, you don't just stop working on shooting. You know, so you go 51% to maybe 53%, you know. So with John, I'm not going to stop working on slowing down. But uh, his whole career worked on you know, slowing down, reading defenses, um, and really, uh, you know, we, we've over the course of the you know, last six, seven years moving moving his range out. What about Kevin Durant? Kevin Durant is one of my favorite guys ever to work out, only because there's literally you can do every single drill with him, you know, from the block to the post to the point line, uh, everything. So uh, with Kevin, it's kind of the same thing early on. Just, you know, he's so long. He doesn't need to do a lot of things to get a shot. He can just jab shot, no dribble. He could jab one dribble, step back, whatever it is. So uh, with Kevin, it was kind of the same thing as far as the pitches he goes, you know, doing stuff. And, and, you know, a lot of drills I did with him were no dribbles, one or two at the most, and that's it. I mean, he's seven feet tall with the, with the wingspan. It's ridiculous. So, um, with Kevin, was more working stuff from the elbows, too. We call it the kill spot, you know, because that's really the only spot in the floor. You kind of can't be double teamed. And from there, you can, sh- you know, you can shoot the elbow jump shot. You can step back to a three. You can drive to the lane. You can shoot a hook shot. I mean, you can do everything with him. So, uh, with him, we're just, it would just continue to be, be versatile, but doing stuff more efficiently. And how about LeBron? LeBron only worked, worked with a few times, um, you know, but he's another one that's just so fun to work out. And people don't realize, like, how amazingly strong this man is. It's, you know, it's after workout with him, if I'm guarding him, I'm dead. I'm done. Because um, he he, he's so strong and his durability is just ridiculous. Um, the same thing, you can, you can do so much with him in the workout. And, you know, when he walks in a gym, reminds me of, like, MJ when he walked to the gym when he worked his camps. You know, maybe it sounds corny, but like you just felt the energy. You just felt it, mm-hmm. and it felt like mm-hmm. when I worked with John Wall, I don't have ever seen John work harder than that. One, you know, that workout because he just—it's almost like you want to like make LeBron proud. You know, yeah. And, yeah. and my workouts are usually fifty minutes to an hour max, and I was having so much fun, and I, I got caught up in not looking at my you know watch. And next, you know, like hour twenty minutes in, and LeBron's at the foul line in between drills. Says Rob, you, you know I'm getting old, right, man? I said, oh, shit. I look at my watch for an hour twenty in. I said, oh, one more drill, one more drill. I promise. <laughs> you know, but um, but yeah, he's one of those guys that he walks in the gym. You, you better work. And Kevin Love always said that too. Like Kevin Love said, he was always always the hardest worker. Like first guy in, last guy out. And that's why when I find out all these stories and media killing him, I just laughed at it. I'm like, this, they only knew how hard this man works. There's a reason he's 17 years in the league and never been injured. You know, there's a reason for that. Yeah. I, I always say anytime anybody talks about father time with LeBron, as it forget it, LeBron is father time. There's, there's, there's no, there's no father time catching up to LeBron because he actually is father right. time. Yeah. Speaking, I mean, he um, won MVP this year. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's silly. Yeah. 
just just a few more kind of unrelated um but but you just said you worked out lebron a few times so i'm sure you get a few guys that hey just want to get a workout in here or there do you ever hear from when that happens do you ever hear from their that player's trainer that he works out with consistently saying hey what are you doing (laughs) um no because i never done that to anybody so I think they kind it. of reciprocate. Um, Good. Matter of fact, you know, if a guy's if I'm in LA and a guy goes to New York, I'll find him a trainer. You know, I'll call a guy. And I've always looked at it like, if they don't think I'm good enough, or they don't, they're not gonna be loyal to me, then so be it. But um, yeah, but yeah, there, there are some guys. That, yeah, I mean, getting these trainer wars and stuff. I'm like, oh my god, give me a break. <laughs> you know? Isn't it? It's like it's like high school. Oh, it's ridiculous. And they make it public. They do it on Twitter. and, and it's, No, not. Rob, what about from the team perspective, though? Because I know some teams are particular about what they want a guy to work on, what they want him to look like in terms of the medicals, all that kind of stuff. How, how difficult is it? And maybe it's not as much now, but maybe back when you were, um, you know, with Arn Tellum and Wasserman – how difficult is the balance between getting done what you want to get done and what the team's goal is? Yeah. I mean, uh, over the course of my career, it's become easier to discuss things with the team at first. Yeah. I got to push back, um, you know, but I think as I became more credible, I was the one to reach out to the teams first. Um, mm. You know, especially if the, you know, new coach gets hired or whatever I remember when Scott Bush got hired in Washington. John was already my guy for years, you know, five years at that time, six years. And uh, I knew Scott very well, Katie and Russ being down in Oklahoma City all the time. And so I called him right away. I said, Scott, I don't know if you know, but, you know, I uh, worked with John many years. I was like, oh, yeah, they, you know, Ernie told me. And, you know, uh, you know, the management that told me that, you know, they've been with John for a while and they love you and Tommy Shepard down there. And uh, so he he appreciated it. I said, Any you need me to work on or you know, I know, kind of know your offense, you know, watching it every day with Russ and KD, um, if you want to come to LA. So I kind of got ahead of it. And he, he appreciated that so much. And like, good thing was as time went on, you know, I'm not true my own horn at all, but a lot of guys, when they found their work on me, were like happy, <laughs> you know, like, oh, good. You know, we don't want you to work with some, with some guy we don't know. At least you're credible. You have other players. I think a lot of the coaches love that I have other players in the gym. You know, so right. jobs working out in LA, I threw Russ in the mix. Of course, we just love that, you know. Um, yeah, I, I definitely early on I got to push back when I started working with Al Horford. Al was flying me down to Atlanta once a month at least, and uh, and then again I'm working with Al, working on threes. Joe Johnson steps in, Josh Smith. This is this is post shoot around, like so the whole staff is there. This is on a game day, and I'm just going, and Al's like, get down here, work me out. I'm like, oh my god. So Larry Drew was the head coach, and I'm uh, working Al out, and uh, next thing you know I have a group of like five. <laughs> and, and and Nick Van X was over there, not too happy. He was an assistant coach, and he honestly he said something to Larry Drew, and Al was livid about it. And the irony behind that is, Larry was like, "Oh yeah, I know Rob. But I hired him two years ago to train my son." <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go too well for for Mr. Van Exel, but um, <laughs> you know, and then the next day, you know, Nick says to me, "If you need anything, let me know." Okay, no problem. <laughs> Take a for Mr. No. Um, one, two, three, Cancun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but as time went on, you know, even today, I took the tip it all about Alfred Payton. Uh, and I, I know tips going back to the Bulls for Derek, obviously. So, 
you know, I reached out to Tibbs before he could reach out to me about Alfred, you know, because I'm going to see Alfred next week. So I just said, listen, coach, whenever you, you want to go over something, you want me to, you know, come work, you know, watch Alfred work out. I said, oh, man, I love that. You know, but the players, you know, Scott Perry's one of my mentors. He's a you know, GM for the Knicks. So over the time, I think, you know, with my credibility and reputation, it definitely helped. But, um, yeah, early on it was weird because, remember, when I started doing this, there was not many of me, maybe one, right. one or two guys, you know, but now there's, well, you got, you know, a hundred guys trying to do this stuff, but. All right. Last question. Since it is the rejecting the screen podcast, we always ask our guests this final question. Since this was the conversation that all the guys used to have in the back of the bus, pick one guy to reject the screen, go ISO, get you a bucket. And all the players will always say, and it can't be Jordan. And we'll put the caveat on it. I want the player that you would choose to reject a screen, go ISO from one of your draft workouts at that time, the, during draft process, who would you choose from all these years to reject a screen, go ISO, get a bucket? I, I got to go with D Rose. I think, I mean, maybe I'm biased, but you know, this to me, you know, that those years leading up to his MVP years, I mean, he was literally, he was unguardable. You know, if you just coach some of those highlights against the heat, um, and his MVP or stuff like that, he was literally unguardable in a one-on-one. Uh, you just you, you couldn't. And, and once his mid-range got good, forget it. He's, he's he's one of the most athletic, if not the most athletic guard ever, in my opinion, ever. Uh, mm-hmm. And don't forget, he got to the Eastern Conference Finals with Keith Bogans as a two-guard. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you know when he did that year. Yeah, I know he had Joe Cam and Dang, but what he did that year to win. 58, 60 games, you know, as, as a six foot two guard. I mean, we hadn't seen something like that from a guard since like Isaiah, you know, and mm-hmm. he was carrying, carrying that team. Uh, and that MVP year, I mean, he wasn't even shooting a lot. He was getting 25 games. So I think if you ask me from the draft process that time, I, I yeah, I, I'd go with Dirk. I remember being in the building when in Chicago when the Heat beat the Bulls and seeing Derek just basically in tears in the, yeah. in the press conference yep. room and feeling for him and so badly wanting him to get back to that point because you knew the, that it was already burning inside of him. All right, he's Rob McClanahan. Check out robbasketball.com, at RobMacNBA on Twitter and the book network. And he says that not much of an Instagram guy, but the TikTok is, is starting to get going a little bit. <laughs> I'd, say that, yeah. I'd say that you need yeah. to work a little bit on it to really, to really catch it. I don't know. That it's... dance with your daughters. I, I'm impressed, man. So I mean, I, I was pretty good. That, that's what, that, that's when I was going crazy during the uh, quarantine. I don't know. What it seemed like it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, Rob, Rob, we really appreciate, appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's funny. The, the trainer wars these days. I said it, it, it is kind of like high school and it comes across that way sometimes. Yes, and, yes. you know, everything that Rob himself has been privy to that hasn't gotten out, the stories haven't been told, the video's not out. That is one way to do it. And there are players, I don't knock either side of it. There are players that thrive off the affirmation on social media. There are others who thrive off the affirmation or the any sort of feedback from the guy that's working them out. And there's no questioning the work that Rob McClanahan has put in with these guys. Yeah, no doubt. And when you and when you look at the list of guys who trust him, 
And I think that's really the key. Not that he just did a workout with this guy here or there. It's that these guys all trust him and lean on him, whether it's for a recovery situation like you're talking about with John Wall, Derek Rose, or whether it's a guy that goes from being outstanding to one of the all-time greats in a Steph Curry or a Kevin Durant. Like I just over and over again, you just see that he has these deep relationships. These guys care about him so much from a basketball perspective and as a person, but it's been cool to see that he was able to build that up before he had to do any of that stuff with Instagram and self-promotion and all that kind of thing. I mean, he was always self-confident clearly, but there's also this idea that it's just the work that he put in. And I love to see that. Here's a guy who's a walk on at Syracuse who's trying to figure out, am I going to be a coach? How am I going to handle these things? And he just works guys out. And and by the way, we didn't even mention, I mean, it's not just the superstars that he's working out, but he's also working out high school kids. He's He got his start working out 12 year olds. And a mom was like, Hey, you're charging me 40 bucks. I'm going right, to, yeah. it should be 80, you know? So um, an, an incredible, an incredible job to build a career out of something that the guy's really talented in and um, has made, Look, quite frankly, he's made some of the all-time great players all that much greater, and that's a pretty cool thing to be able to say. Yeah, some of the other guys that would be listed as, even on his site, as alumni that we didn't get too deep into, Al Horford, Antoine Jameson, Anthony Davis, Brandon Jennings, Mm -hmm. Candace Parker, DeMar DeRozan, Mm -hmm. DJ Augustine, Gerald Henderson, who we had on, Last week, Aton Thomas was his guy at Syracuse. Jared Dudley, JaVale McGee, J.J. Reddick, Joakim Noah, Joe Johnson. There are, there are so many. Uh, don't forget Ryan Gomes. That's your boy. And, yes, Ryan Gomes. And uh, and then there's guys like like I mentioned, Joe Mazzula, who, who played at West Virginia, was a guard, now an assistant with the Celtics, but also Jimmy Barron. And both those guys were at, at Rob's uh, at Rob's same high school mm-hmm. years later when he went back and and was a uh, you know gym teacher and and he's coaching and stuff and working with those guys. But Jimmy Barron, people might remember going crazy as a shooter at the college level for Rhode Island, and Rhode Island. again could be attributed to the work Rob put in. Right, to make sure you can go back and listen to previous episodes of Rejecting the Screen, the Going ISO edition, if you want more in-depth types of interviews like these. Mark Jackson goes deep into growing up with nothing in Philadelphia to going to Temple and then signing the largest contract ever for a player who never played in the NBA in Europe and then came back into the league. Gerald Henderson, we mentioned Kevin Willis, the great Peter Vesey on the media side, Howard Beck also about I'd say 50 of those. You can go back and listen to all of those at any time and entertain yourself, whether it's during times of isolation or when your commutes get going again. Check us out on Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. Adam is on Twitter at Naismith Lives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Here's what else we have on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NBA, the national show, five days a week. Ben Golliver hosts on Thursdays with David Locke and Ben Golliver, the Washington Post, and he is in the bubble, so you can get that insight that you Mm -hmm. can't get many other places. Hollinger and Duncan, John Hollinger, the longtime Grizzlies executive and godfather of analytics, he's on with Nate Duncan. 
Also locked on fantasy hoops with Josh Lloyd, Chad Ford with his NBA big board and your team every day on the locked on podcast network. Adam. Thanks, pal. You are the best. <laughs>